0: Mm. Amen. Thank you all. Um, we're continuing in this journey through um, uh, Book Samuel and Kings, um, and we're walking with particularly those that are in... Um, the main characters, the folks that are in leadership positions—Samuel, uh, and then Saul as first king, then uh, David, and uh, Solomon, who we just uh, ventured into and met uh, last um, week, um, particularly. And if you recall, he was given the gift of wisdom. The and the children can be dismissed to children in worship, <laughs> to where you will gain your wisdom. Um thank you for that. And some parents thank you as well. Um, but oh hey, you want to preach today? No? Okay. Uh, I think I might have gotten you in trouble with grandma though. Sorry. Um but uh, so we're with uh, with Solomon, who's given wisdom, and today we get to venture into his journey um, as we um, will look at Ecclesiastes, and well, there he'll share with us um, about his journey and about his what he was desperate for, searching for what could meet. His sense of desperation as we were just singing, and so there's a real uh, depth to this uh, um, wisdom literature, uh, this poem. And so I asked uh, uh, Colleen um, Shide if she would read it. For sorry, yeah, Colleen just the, the, Colleen Sauer just sort of went, "Whoa, well, what am I supposed to do?" Yeah, <laughs> Colleen Shide to to come forward and to to, to share and capture um, uh, that sense of depth. Uh, thank you, Colleen.
1: Ecclesiastes chapter one. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they continue to flow. All things are wearisome. More than words can express The eye is not satisfied with seeing Or the ear filled with hearing What has been is what will be And what has been done will be done And there is nothing new under the sun Is there a thing of which it has said See, this is new It's already been in the ages before us The people of long ago are not remembered Nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come By those who come after them The teacher, when king over Israel in Jerusalem applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven, it is an unhappy business that God has given us to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun and see all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my mind is no great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my mind to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom is much vexation. And those who increase knowledge increase sorrow. The Word of the Lord thanks.
0: Yeah, that, that's one of those where uh, say uh, you sure you want to say thanks be to God for, for that one. So we're joining with uh, Solomon on this, this journey um, of really exploring this wisdom, this gift of wisdom. That uh, he was was given this capacity to discern what is good and evil, and here he's he's inviting us to come to his journey. And really, in some ways, this opening is a, a summary of what we'll find as we walk through um, uh, this uh, book. Um, uh, summarized it, it here, and what he's doing, and he's considering this life, his wisdom and knowledge of this life. What he uh, you'll hear a number of times uh, under the sun. Look what was under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Meaning what he observes and experiences and what he can see and what he can feel you know, what he can taste. And as he has ventured on this journey of exploring a variety of ways of experiencing this life to the full, he looks back and says, this is a waste of time. Vanity, the word vanity, you know, it's the same word in Hebrew that means like smoke or vapor. You know, it's like, where'd it go? How do you capture? There's nothing really of much substance there. It's meaningless without purpose. It is vain. Not not vain like we would say um, in a way of being arrogant vain, but in the, the sense of vain in that it's worthless. It's a, it's a waste of time to really try to find that purpose if you look for it in the things under the sun. I mean, in a sense, nothing really truly gets accomplished. We're on a gerbil wheel. You know, and we're just running and running and running and, but we're really going nowhere. And uh, what Solomon has done is he's, he's, he's in his wisdom, he stepped off the gerbil wheel and looked at it. And now he's telling us, Hey, you're on a gerbil wheel. You're just running. You're just pursuing things that really are meaningless. I ran across this poem from Stephen Crane. I saw a man pursuing the horizon. Round and round he sped. I was disturbed at this. I accosted the man. It is futile, I said. You can never. You lie, he cried and ran on. He's trying to... Tell us, you're on this gerbil wheel that is going nowhere. I mean, the sun rises, the sun sets, the sun rises, the sun sets. The water evaporates, it condenses, and it precipitates. Evaporation, condensation, precipitation. And it just keeps going. But what is truly being accomplished? And then he says one of those famous phrases, there's nothing new under the sun. Really? I mean, nothing new under the sun. I mean, this you think about this and all the power that's in this little thing right here. I mean, used to used to be in a a computer that was the size of this room. You know, didn't have as much power as we've got here. But it's not new. It's just maybe faster, maybe bigger, but not really new. It's just a, a different way of computing. It's a different way of communicating. Or other things that are new. There are different ways of transportation, just to name a few of the ways that we think we're doing something new, but really it's just the same thing, maybe newer, maybe bigger, maybe faster. A fun uh, little book to read: uh, Hamlet's Blackberry, it was written a few years ago, hence the title. Um, but it was talking about how um, uh, that uh, looked back at. Um, uh, folks like Plato, um, Gutenberg, the Gutenberg's one that did the printing press, um, uh, Shakespeare, um, Benjamin Franklin, you know, and discovery electricity and that kind of thing. You know, and said, you know, really, um, all that they found and what they discovered or invented wasn't really anything new. It's in the same categories, but just made things faster or bigger in those particular categories. He, the Hamlet's Blackberry was a new invention. The technology, the, the, uh, the iPad of Shakespeare's day was a book that had a few pages in it that were covered with plastic, or, or not plastic, uh, wax. Yeah. Plastic didn't come till much longer. But there some wax covered pages that you could then write on and then erase. Yeah. And that was the technology of the day for their busy world. You can even, uh, even uh, Solomon also says, you know, in the generations, they come and go. There's really nothing new with them. The earth stays the same. And some of you may say, no, I, I I know my generation is very different than their generation. They are a bunch of old fogies who don't know up from down. Or you may be on the other side looking back and saying, no, I know my generation and its meaning and purpose. And as I look back, here are some of the things that might be said. You know, the children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect to their elders. Uh, No, no amens in this. The young people of the day, thinking of nothing but themselves, they talk as if they alone know everything. You know, you know who I'm quoting there? Socrates. And, and Peter the Hermit. And I don't know when he lived, but he's gotta be old with that name. You know, so nothing is new. It just keeps going the same process. There, There is nothing we have experienced, ultimately, that is new under the sun. And so that's why Solomon says, so it's meaningless. What is the purpose of being on this gerbil wheel? Well, I'm going to push back a little bit on Solomon and say, who told you life was supposed to be meaningful? Did that come when you were born? Did you get some guarantee when you were born? Hey, life's going to be meaningful. You're going to have a purpose. Who who promised you that? Where did you get that idea and where does it come from? It's not just Solomon. I mean, that is alive in us. That is one of the major causes given of depression and suicide. Often the notes will say, I have no purpose. I see no meaning and, and and medical studies have been shown that uh, a variety of them that if you have a sense of meaning and purpose in your life, you live longer than those that don't. Eight to ten years longer. So there's something there, there's there's some desire within us that comes from somewhere that you no know, there is meaning, there is purpose to this life. <clears throat> And Solomon is the great king of Israel, the one who's been given wisdom. He knows that that's that's within him. And he's going to search for everything under the sun to find out if there where that meaning and purpose is. So we we heard in this one that you know, that first gift that God had given him, well, maybe it's in wisdom. Let me gain all the wisdom I can, all the knowledge I can. And that will then give me purpose and meaning. If you you move on into chapter 2 and you read that, like the next verse even. He says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. So he says then, he ventures into pleasure. Wisdom didn't do it. Let me try pleasure. Let me go find all the pleasure I can. And Solomon, better than any other human being in all of history, could do that. He had all the money of the world. He could build whatever he wanted. He could travel wherever he wanted. He could eat what he wanted when he wanted. He had Companionship whenever he wanted. He had a couple hundred wives and a couple hundred concubines. I don't know if you got a couple hundred wives, why you need a couple hundred concubines, but Solomon did. And he had it. So whatever pleasure he wanted, he could pursue it at any time. And he said, it's meaningless. There is not purpose found there. And then later on he says, what about toil? What about work? What about what I produce and create? And he said that is a waste as well. Whether it's wisdom, knowledge, whether it's pleasure or work, all of them are gifts from God. But if you pursue meaning and purpose there, you don't find it. All right. So Solomon, where did this question come from? I'm stepping out of the book. I'm stepping off the gerbil wheel. We are, and we're stopping and asking. Why are you asking this question? Where did you get this idea that life has meaning? I want to point you back to the beginning of the story. Because it's in the very beginning, at creation, where we find the gift of wisdom, the gift of pleasure, and the gift of work. It's in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that we see that there. And we see that that's where purpose comes from. That sense of meaning comes from our creation. Being created in the image of God. Giving these gifts in order to live according to the good and perfect plans and purposes of God. Living into the reality of His kingdom which is eternal. The only thing that is eternal. That, that place that is beautiful without frustration. Something that we've, we've tasted this. We've tasted this reality. Which is part of the big story of God. A little, uh, uh, picture I want to share with you. Um, and you can look it up now, you can go to your own um, Hamlet's Blackberry if you want, and even go look it up, The Big Story or The True Story, from a guy named James Chung. Um, a number of you have seen this, we've used it in a variety of, of classes, that, that gives the big story of what God has created, and His purpose and plan in fulfilling it. And in the beginning, we're, we were designed for good. Right? there there was the, the good that was created, there was the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, that sense of knowledge of wisdom that was there there was um, it was pleasurable. what was created was good there there was work in the beginning there was work you, We were given the creation to steward the creation to have dominion over it to to work it in the fullness of the creative abilities that God has given to us and there was meaning and purpose and joy and no frustration and, and maybe you you have tasted a bit of that when you do sort of in hand in glove live into the fullness of the kingdom of god when when you act in a way through the power of the spirit within you to love another and it's received and there is a no sense of frustration but of beauty and satisfaction We've all had that taste along the way of meaning and pleasure and purposeful work. But what happened? Well, if we've read past chapter 2, we know that what happens is we humans rebel. And we take those good gifts and we take them and use them according to our desire, our purpose, our plan instead of God's. And what does that cause? Then in that rebellion, we are damaged by evil. And you see all the squiggly lines that appear then and the arrows pointing to ourselves where we, there's a, we're um, separated from God, we're, we're broken in our relationship with one another and we're broken in relationship with all of creation. But you can still see there the hint of creation. What, what theologians call the echo. Of creation. There's a song that's being sung at creation that is beautiful beyond measure and beyond appreciation, but that song still sings now, but we just hear an echo of it. It's, it's muted. It's, um, can be overwhelmed by the other sounds closer to us, but it's an echo of that purpose and meaning. That's why everyone senses that purpose and meaning but while we don't feel it because we're damaged by evil, while we don't experience it. And then you you move below that, the bottom right-hand corner, and there we see that God didn't leave us there, but again, He restored us for better, that Jesus came in our midst, and He destroyed the power of evil. He destroyed sin. He destroyed guilt. and At at His death, He took evil and sin to the grave and left them there, demonstrating His victory, which we can sing about, like we did this morning, that we can sing with gusto, that He is victorious and has defeated sin, has defeated our rebellion, has defeated evil, and restored us with the Father, restored us in our relationship with God. That's why the center circle now, there's no squiggly lines. He's made us right with God forever. There's still squiggly lines around us though. There's still brokenness between this brokenness in us with creation and in us with God. But what Jesus has done has made us right with God even in spite of us. Amen. But we don't stay there. He's done this for a purpose. He's done this for meaning, for meaningful life, and now he sends us out as his community to be a healing presence in the world. He sends us into the the fourth circle that in Christ, right with God, growing in our rightness with one another, now we are sent together to heal, fulfilling the purpose that he created for us, but yet we're doing it in a world still filled with squiggly lines, if I were to add one to uh, uh, Mr. Chung's uh, um, uh, four circles, I'd add a fifth, and it'd be a combination of the fourth one and the fifth one, or the fourth one and the first one, where a picture of the end of creation, uh, the new heaven and the new earth, when Jesus returns, and all who are in Him are raised and glorified in their bodies. And then live in perfect union with God, with one another, and with all of creation in that new heaven and that new earth. It's in that day that John tells us in Revelation that people of every nation, tribe, and tongue will be gathered before the throne. The divisions that we have created among us will be obliterated in real time and space in our experience they're obliterated now at the cross Jesus has already done it we're living into that still in the midst of the squiggly lines because we know that's where we're headed we know that's what is eternal because God's word has already told us this is what's going to happen when Jesus returns and this cycle is complete he's told us that it's there and that day in that circle there will be no more tears It's in that day that Isaiah tells us, gives us a picture. It's in that day that everyone will plant their tree, sit underneath it and eat of its fruit. That the work will still be there. The the notion of creativity and work will be there. It's just there will be no frustration. There will be no sense of duty. It will be out of joy because it's how we were, we were created. And it will be in there will be perfect correspondence between our work and the fruit of our labors. And Paul also tells us in 1 Corinthians three that our works that are a part of the kingdom will go with us. That's sort of a new thought here, but I encourage you to go look at chapter three of First Corinthians where Paul tells us those things that we do that are stubble they're burned up. They're gone because there are things that we do. There are things that I do and you do that are evil. They're not going to heaven. Evil's destroyed. It's obliterated. So I can't take my evil with me. That's what it means to be in a glorified body. But the things that the spirit did in you and me that are of precious metals that are of the kingdom, they go with us. That's part of the rewards, what Paul says. Those are the, the rewards that we receive before God. Not, not some reward of competition, but a reward of, because what God has done in us now, in the fullness of, it, in the, in alignment with His kingdom, will continue on that day. So that as we seek to be a community, united in Jesus against all other things that try to divide us, and Lord knows there are plenty of things that try to do that, the devil himself, We'll try to divide it. But the things we do to be united in Jesus and work across the rubble of what the world divides, that, that continues in heaven. Because that's what happens there. And Paul tells us the same with love, right? That, that, that love continues. That is the language of heaven. We don't need faith anymore in heaven because we'll be there. We'll see it. I mean, it'll be right in front. I don't need to have faith that this is here. I'll see it and be there and so, but, but we need love. We will still live in love because it is the language of heaven. And so the things that the Spirit did in you and me that are in love will follow after us. It will be demonstrated and celebrated there. Not a sense of judgment. Oh, we're going to have judgment. Well, yeah, there's going to be judgment. It's going to be great. Because there, God will judge and discern what's evil within us. And he will filter it out and take it to the cross. And it will be destroyed. And we will continue on with the good things that he has done in us and through us. And that's what Solomon eventually gets to. At the very end, chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, we tend to see judgment and get scared. and Well, no, we're in Christ. We are in Christ. That judgment in terms of us being with God, it's been fulfilled. He has completed it. We are with God forever. But we don't stay in circle three. He didn't save us to stay in circle three just to sort of have our own little pleasure cruise through this life. Well, let me just avoid suffering and pain and just sort of stay here sheltered until Jesus returns. No, he wants us to be a part of this eternal purpose. And meaning, so we move into to circle four. But that, that judgment to come is one where he says, No, that's evil. That doesn't come. But here's the good that I've been doing in you. And it comes with you, with me, for all eternity. This is the way of the kingdom of God. Th- this is why Paul can say at the end of First Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 58... Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He's answering Ecclesiastes. No. Yeah. If you just look at the things under the sun... If you don't look beyond the sun or behind the sun, but you just look at what you can see, it is vain and meaningless. But if you look beyond it and you see the creator and the purpose he has created us for and the purpose he will create us, he will bring us to. That Jesus, you don't see Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. The author in circle one and the finisher in circle five. Then that's where all that we do is then not meaningless. It's not in vain because it's in alignment with the very kingdom of God. Now, as our whole series this summer has been about being an influencer, that we have influence. And how do we have that kind of influence? It means that there we have this influence as we live in circle four. We we seek no matter what in our workplace, in our homes, in our n- neighborhoods, in our community, um, in the in our relationships, in our families, whatever it might be. We have influence because God's created us and chosen us and given us the word of truth here to say, "Here's where you come from. Here's where you're going. This is how you find meaning." Now go live that out in the world, and there you will have influence by what you do and what you say, and maybe others will hear and see. If nothing more, they will receive receive the very love of God. They will see the work of justice and righteousness and mercy and forgiveness being done in you as you live according to the ways of the kingdom. And they will receive that and God will be glorified and maybe by God's grace they will come and join and be a part of the team. But this is... The, there, what greater purpose could there be? What, do, you, do you know a better story to live? That's that's always my challenge to others who say, "Ah, I don't believe it. Okay, you tell me a better story we're living. You come tell me something that gives me meaning and purpose from the beginning to the end. And every step of the way. So far, they haven't. Those that are most honest say, no, there's not meaning. You're wrong trying to find meaning. That's your best answer? Okay. Uh, I think There is. Being a part of the very purpose of God. Now, I mean, this, this is deep stuff. And I know this whole notion of rewards in heaven, that's always sort of, uh, hard for us to, to, to grasp. But again, I tell you, go back and look at 1 Corinthians 3. That'll tell you there forever. And we talk about the crowns that we get and the jewels, reward. The, what are those? Those are the work of God in us now that continues for all of eternity. But you gotta sit with this though. Do you see your life as a part of this eternal purpose? Do you see that your life is part of that echo of the creation and the celebration of the end? Because it is. If you are in Christ Jesus, he has died and risen for you and called you to himself, not for you to sit in circle three. But because you're called in circle one and you've got a destiny in circle five, you are on that journey. Do you see that? Maybe you can relate to Solomon though really well in this. And you've been looking at the things under the sun and you are a curmudgeon. You're, you're just there. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. You gotta get back in touch with the eternal meaning. You're spending too much time just focusing on what's under the sun and not looking beyond it. Maybe today, God has revealed to you this new purpose, this new meaning, or renewed it. You've known it. There's nothing new here. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new in a sermon. that's the purpose and meaning that exists for you and for me and for us. From the eternal beginning to the eternal end. So maybe for you, it's a change of mindset. Maybe for you, you've been hanging out in circle three. You know, you just got one of those bumper stickers. Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven. Is that it? so we stay there, we just say we're forgiven. Is there no other movement? There's no other purpose? Is the purpose of God just to forgive you? Or is it to forgive you so that you will be a part of what he is doing in the, in the work. To give you meaning and purpose. To connect you to that purpose and meaning. And So maybe there's a change of mindset. Maybe there's a change of action. Maybe you're like Solomon. And you're trying to find that meaning. You're in touch with that meaning. You hear that echo from creation. You hear the echo ahead of your destination. And you're finding that meaning and purpose. But you're looking in this world. And maybe you're frustrated. You're saying, there is none. I can't find it. Well, that's because you're looking in the wrong spot. You're looking at the gifts instead of the giver. Because like I said, wisdom, work, pleasure, those are good gifts of God from the very beginning. But the problem is if we make that the focus of our meaning instead of the giver. Or maybe you're in the middle of that and you're liking it. I have to admit, there was a twinge within me of like, Huh, that pursuit of pleasure. Yeah. How come Solomon got to do that and write this book? And I thought, what an idiot. That's a sign within me of the brokenness within me, of the fallenness within me, of saying, no, there's still some way I can find meaning and purpose in this world without being connected to the Creator. And that's a lie. Maybe you're in that spot. Man, I hope that you will act with wisdom. You know, that old, you know, uh, it's a wise, what, what's the saying? It's a wise person that uh, learns from the mistakes of others. Yeah, I, I, just, I can only tell you from Solomon, I can tell you from my experience and probably other people around you. If you're looking for the meaning in the things of this world, they will not satisfy. Because you weren't created for them. We were created by the purpose that God had given us in the beginning and that he destines us for in the end. And no, again, know this. This is not because, uh, this is not you earning anything before God. Now, the Circle three is circle three. You didn't do anything. Jesus showed up. He made us right with him. He died. He rose. He's victorious. We are simply in him. And he is now leading us. To the purpose He's connected us to. To have influence. Truly meaningful influence around us. That contributes to God's eternal plan. And His purposes that are celebrated for all of eternity. Amen.